Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Easter episode of the podcast. I'm excited that you've decided to listen. I hope that you'll share it with your family and your friends, and you can always check out more at thepointoffocus.com. Today, we are embarking on this Easter idea, this Easter theme of Scars Tell Stories. And we're going to look at a specific event that happened on Resurrection Sunday back in Jesus' time. And we are going to kind of see how this theme is kind of brought through Easter Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday. And so I wanted to start off by sharing a couple of my scars, right? Um, Naturally, I've got scars from surgeries. I've got now, as I'm recording this, I'm recovering from a second knee surgery. But on my left knee, I've got scars from that surgery. And on my right knee, now I'm going to have scars from this surgery. And I've got other little nicks and bumps and things like that that have turned into scars. And one of them, though, I remember vividly, um, didn't go and get stitches or anything for it. But I don't remember how old I was. But I know I was standing in the living room of my parents' house. And my dog was rummaging through the trash or she had found it somewhere, I don't know, an aluminum can lid, the little pop tops. Um, If anything, I remember it was probably either her dog food can or a cat food can as we had a cat too. But it was one of the pop tops and so um, she had picked it up in her mouth by the tab. That's how she could get a hold of it. And I remember standing in there and someone either saw her in there and said, hey, you know, put that down. And she ran off and she came through the living room. She grazed the outside of my thigh. I mean, sorry, of my calf, of my leg and gashed it really big. And uh, I still have that. I still have that scar. I remember that story. Um, one of the other, uh, scars that I have is from a, uh, car accident when I broke my finger. So as I look at that scar, I remember that story. I remember my knee surgeries and all of that. And maybe you have, uh, some scars as well that tell a story. Maybe it's a funny story or maybe it was like an accident or whatever. And you can remember the story from that. But I also, as we're talking about scars, there are scars that are different. And they come from darker places that you may not want to remember, or you do remember, and you see how God brought you through. But any way you look at it, there are the scars tell stories. They 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 say they show how they shaped you and they shown how you've grown and the places that you used to be, you're no longer there and that they've brought you from one place to another. And so these scars, they tell, they tell stories. And so the reason why I bring that up and the reason why we're talking about that is because there's a set of scars in today's story on this first Easter that tell a story And realizing that has allowed me to see this particular story in a different way. 
I've heard this story lots of times, and maybe you have too. But before we kind of dive into that, I want us kind of set the stage here. Because remember, our Good Friday episode and our last series, The Last Night with Jesus, we've been trekking through with the disciples this last night, this Good Friday, Saturday, and all of that, that we've been kind of embarking on this journey with them, this journey of lost hope and confusion and sorrow and grief and all of that. And we see this as we turn the page here. And we see John starts off the Resurrection Sunday account with these words. It says, Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, I bring this up because it's always fascinating to me. And I was shown this a couple years ago um, that John accounts that it's Sunday morning. And some other accounts of this, I think, lead it to be that it was still kind of dark out. So it was early enough, but John adds, while it was still dark. So either he's re-emphasizing the fact that it was still dark out, the sun hadn't rose yet. Some people though, and I kind of look at it this way maybe, because of what we, where we've been and what's going on at this time, okay? Jesus had died on Friday. They had spent all this time now just in that space. So this while it was still dark comment could mean just the time of day or it could mean like the atmosphere of the the room that the disciples were in, the atmosphere of the town and the surrounding people, just this kind of darkness. Like they were still in this space where they had lost what they hoped was going to be their king, right? I briefly talked about that on Good Friday in this road to Emmaus in Luke 24 when uh, these people tell Jesus himself he had been disguised, where um, God had disguised him, where where they couldn't recognize him. But in Luke 24, 20, it says, we had hoped that he was going to be blank. We had hoped. So... All of this space now, still in this hope, right, that he was going to be this, but now he wasn't. So now, what does that do for hope? What does that do for the space that they were in and now the space that they're in while it was still dark? And I think John kind of clues us into this space that they were in that the people were in, that the disciples were in, just the atmosphere surrounding this whole event that had happened over the last couple days. But as we read in this beginning part of John 20, Mary comes to the tomb. She sees that it's been rolled away. She runs back to tell the disciples. And the disciples are, eh, they get up and they go. And they realize that it is empty, right? They kind of have a foot race. They get to the tomb and 
go in and the body isn't there, he'd risen. But then the Bible says in verse 8, sorry, in verse 10 of John 20, that they went home. So they came, they saw, they went home. It wasn't quite registering with them yet. Like like I said, still, while it was still dark. So Jesus had died on the cross, been put in that tomb, and now he wasn't there, right? John says that he had risen from the dead and they hadn't realized that that's what he'd been saying. What happened? So, but he appears to Mary and Mary is distraught because she thinks that the the grave had been robbed and that they had taken his body away and all of that. And this leads to other like ideas that kind of the disciples went back home maybe because they were now afraid, right? That, oh, people are going to think we stole the body to say that he had risen from the dead. And Mary's upset and she talks to who she thinks is the gardener. And she, you know, begs him to say, where did you take, where did you take Jesus? Where did you take him? And quite simply, Jesus just says, hey, hey, Mary. And she looks up and she realizes that it's Jesus. But she, Jesus here, though, didn't shout at Mary. Like, he wasn't, Mary, for goodness sake, will you just pay attention? Like, she was standing there. She was crying at his feet. She was begging him thinking he was the gardener. Hey, where did you put, where did you take him? Where did you put him? I, I, I need to know. And I just think he was just like, Mary, Mary. And when Mary looked up, it says she was overjoyed. She exclaimed, teacher. Because remember, she was at the foot of the cross. She knew what had happened to Jesus. And she saw him and she goes and she tells the disciples it says in verse 15 sorry 18 my bad read that wrong it says mary magdalene found the disciples and told them i have seen the lord but i don't think they quite believed because now we see jesus appear to them it says that evening on the first day of the week so easter sunday night The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Because by now, like I just said, the story had probably gotten out that the tomb was empty and that um, the disciples were probably culprits. And they were going to say that Jesus rose from the dead and all of this stuff because people were trying now to eradicate this all this Jesus talk. That's why they had him crucified, because they were trying to stabilize the ship. Jesus had disrupted a lot of things and the Pharisees and the religious leaders were trying to get everything back on track. So they were trying to to do that. That's why they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. He said, peace be with you. And as he spoke, he held his hands out for them to see and he showed him his side. They were filled with joy when they saw their Lord. He spoke to them, peace be with you. So, and then, and then it says that he breathed on them and they received the, uh, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus here, 
all of the stuff that we've talked about in the last series. If you haven't checked it out, go um, thepointoffocus.com and you can check out the Last Night with Jesus series. But all of the things in this, just this brief conversation, he's fulfilling a lot of what he said, right? First of all, it says they were joyful, that their sorrow would be turned into joy, Jesus told them. That he would grieve, in John 16, he says they would grieve over what happened to them, but it would be turned into wonderful joy. So as he stands before them, it says that they are joyful when they saw their Lord. But then he says also, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This was the next step that he had said that he wasn't going to leave them as orphans. He wasn't going to leave them, that he was going to give them the Holy Spirit. He was going to to send the Holy Spirit. But the disciples were overjoyed, right? The scars told the story because it says that Jesus showed them their hand, his hands and showed them his side. They knew what had happened. John had been at the foot of the cross. So he knew that they, you know, the disciples probably knew too that they had been nailed to the cross. I mean, they knew were a custom of how crucifixion goes. But the side was another thing. John had probably said they stabbed him in the side and they kind of filling in the, the gaps. And so they were overjoyed. They knew it was him. But Thomas wasn't there. So once again, we're going to see how the scars tell the stories. So in John 20, 24, it says one of the disciples, Thomas, was not with them when Jesus came. They told them, we have seen the Lord. But he has replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand in the wound of his side. Eight days later, they were together again. This time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he said, peace be with you. I didn't make the comment before, but typically when I, when I see peace be with you, it, it makes me chuckle on the inside because it's usually involved with these supernatural things. Like when the angels appear to Mary, hey, whoa, whoa. Don't be afraid. Peace be with you. I come in peace. All of that kind of stuff. Because this stuff wasn't like, it wasn't natural, right? It wasn't typical of people to like all of a sudden just appear. Peace be with you. So that's what's kind of going on. I picture it being kind of like one of those, one of those things. The disciples were just kind of sitting there hanging out and Jesus kind of just dropped in and goes, peace be with you. Like, don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed. Peace be with you. Then he turns his attention to Thomas. And he says to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. You believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who haven't seen me yet believe anyway. So this is what it is. The scars, the scars tell the story for Thomas, but he had to see 
them to believe. He he doubted and he had to see them to believe. The other disciples believed when they saw Jesus. It is hard to say if they believed that he had risen from the dead until they had actually physically seen him. But until this point, we don't know about the other disciples. But Thomas, we know because he says here in John 2024, I I have to see it to believe it. So I believe Jesus referencing here is the disciples believed without seeing. So I believe it can be understood that maybe we don't get the idea that they did because they kind of went home. They didn't really say anything. You know, they didn't believe Mary really probably. And so maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But because Jesus says this, you have believed because you have seen blessed are those who hadn't. Maybe he's referencing the other disciples, the other 10 disciples that believed in Jesus that Jesus had rose from the dead and all of that. Maybe he's referencing that. But I also believe, believe that, not believed. (laughs) I also believe that he is talking to us here. Talking to us, referencing us. Blessed are those who haven't seen, but still believe. Because anybody other than the disciples, these couple people on the road to Emmaus, and the other people that Jesus appeared to, Jesus had numerous appearances after his resurrection. But blessed are those who didn't see. And they believe anyway. Jesus is talking to us. Jesus is talking about the the coming church and the people that had to go by the word of the disciples Because Jesus had already gone. And blessed are those who believe. But the scars told the story for the disciples. The nail marks in his side. I mean the nail marks in his hands and his feet. And the the spear mark in his side told the story for them. And one day when we see Jesus, they'll tell the story for us too. We'll be able to see and we'll be able to to see that story in, in person. We'll be able to see it one day when we see Jesus. But right now, Jesus is saying, blessed you are for believing and not seeing. Blessed are you because you believe in me. And that's what the purpose of the book of John is. As we kind of close out this Easter message is that the whole gospel of John is that the these things that are written? It says, um, John twenty thirty says Jesus saw him do many other miraculous signs besides the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you may have life. That's what the Gospel of John is written for. That if we believe these things, that we may have life. Well, what things? What we just witnessed in this whole chapter. John 20, the resurrection, the, the John 18 through 20, the, the death, the resurrection, the purpose of Jesus. 
that if we believe in that, if we believe that he was sent to die on the cross for us, if we believe that God sent him because God loved the world so much, and that Jesus endured the cross for the joy, the joy that we would have life because of what Jesus did, that is what Easter is. That is what the story that the scars tell. The stories that the scar tell is life. That people will have life to the full. John 10.10, that we will have life to the full because of Jesus and because of what he did. And that that is how we can have joy. Even though we know what happened to Jesus, we can have joy because he overcome the world. He's now overcome death. He's overcome the grave. He's defeated the world. Anything that the world can throw at him, he's defeated it. He's overcome it. And if we believe in that, and if we believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he, he rose from the dead, we can have life. That's one of the steps of the of the of the Romans road. John uh, sorry, Romans 10 um 10 9 tells us. Give me a minute as I turn to that. I didn't have it marked. I thought I did. But it says here in 10 9, Romans 10 9, for if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed. There is life in Jesus. And we can have it to the full. And that's why John closes out this resurrection account with this, with this thing that we may believe. He wrote his book so that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, and that we can have life because we believe in that. That is how we have eternal life. John 3, 16, that, none will per- that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life, life to the full, life that doesn't end because everybody thought that Jesus' life had ended. Everybody thought that Jesus was over. Everybody thought that the hope and the dreams and the, the what they thought Jesus was going to do was dead in the grave. But on Easter Sunday, God rose it from the dead so that we can have joy, so that we can have life, so that we can have hope. And as John 16, 33 says, that when we face troubles and trials, it says, in this world, you will have trouble, but... Take heart because I have overcome the world. We can have joy in our trials and in our sorrows and in our scars because Jesus has overcome them. His scars 
tell our story. His scars tell the story of how we can have everlasting life. So, begs the question, do you believe in the scars of Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus in this moment as you're listening? Because if you do, all you have to do is confess right there that Jesus is Lord, as John, I'm sorry, as Romans 10, 9 says, that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Because the Bible says that doing that, you will be saved. It's not complicated. It's not, you have to do A, B, C, D, and E. You have to complete this list and check off every box. And then you can confess that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. No, no. It's not about that. You can, right now, where you are, whatever you're doing, you can stop. You can say, Jesus, I declare that you are Lord and that God raised you from the dead, and that you have given me life. And if you pray that, and if you mean that, you are saved. It's not complicated at all. That's what the Bible indicates is a means for salvation. It's just declaring that Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. So, If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you, dive into the Gospels. Find out all you can about Jesus from the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, especially the Gospel of John, because as I just said, John wrote his book so that we may believe and have life. So that's good, and the other Gospel accounts are great as well. Also, I encourage you to dive into a local church so they can come alongside you and they can... um, be there with you and help you take your next steps and help encourage you and and get you through the this this new journey that you're on. You can also keep listening to the focus point, but I encourage you to do do those three things if you have prayed that prayer. Also, if you are still on the fence and you still want to think about pray, just think about that prayer. Romans ten nine. You can look that up and you can remember it, but that's all it takes. There's no hoops to jump through. There's no infinite amount of things that you have to do beforehand. It's just praying that prayer, meaning it in your heart, and coming to life with Jesus. I hope you'll come back and join us for future episodes as well, and I hope you have a blessed, blessed day. Happy Easter.